The Nikabi Diary Season 1 Illustrated Book is now available in paperback. Own your copy now by clicking the link in the description box. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Season 2 of the Nakabi Diaries podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing the stories of the women behind the veil. This season, we will be speaking to more Muslim women from all walks of life as we continue to discuss their deep and intimate reasons for wearing the niqab. The Niqabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister. How are you? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, how are you, sister? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, very well. Jazakallah khair for joining us today on the Naqabi Diaries. Sister, could you please introduce yourself for us and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, of course. No, Jazakallah khair for having me on. I'm so I'm so glad to be uh, to be here with all of you. And uh, I am uh, Marjan, uh, on, known on Twitter as uh, as Biker Naqabi. Um, I just kind of find, find it kind of funny to introduce myself that way, but. Um, Alhamdulillah, yeah, uh, I'm uh, I'm good. Alhamdulillah, I am a graduate of uh, Quranic and Islamic studies uh, from Jamaa Taiba in Medina, Mashallah. and uh, I work as a Quran teacher and Islamic studies teacher. I'm currently in the middle of moving right now, so um, not actually working um, in that field right now, but inshallah. I hope to be in Dallas soon and uh, hopefully get get back into uh, working with some Islamic Institute or, uh, you know, masjid or something like that. Mashallah. So are you living in Saudi Arabia at the moment? Yeah, so I actually am in Saudi right now because uh, my dad was obviously working here and I was going to university over here. I graduated, alhamdulillah, last Ramadan and uh, I had originally planned to move back to the U.S. at that time. But because, of course, you know, the COVID situation, flights got mm-hmm. grounded and we got a little bit stuck over here. But alhamdulillah, that move is uh, is now moving forward. So inshallah, I should be back in the United States by next month or so, inshallah. Mashallah. So are you originally from the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. I was born and raised in Colorado, actually. Oh. Um, yeah. And then I lived there until I was about 12 or 13. And, and then we moved to Saudi because of my dad's work. Mm-hmm. Sorry, so um, I've been, sorry, carry on. Uh, no, no. So we've been here about uh, 12, 12 years now, I think. Or okay, mashallah. So are you are you born into a Muslim family or you're a revert? No, no. Alhamdulillah, I was born into a Muslim family. My parents are actually ethnically from Pakistan and India. Okay. Um, they, yeah, they had moved to to um, Texas when they were in university. So um, they met over there, actually, and then they got married and, you know, they were living in Colorado. Me and my siblings were all born there in Colorado. Mashallah. Alhamdulillah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, um, mashallah, I'm interested in the whole biker, niqabi aspect, but inshallah, we'll get into that a little bit later because I want to know <laughs> yeah. how you yeah, sure. became a biker. That's really interesting to me. Um, but first, yeah, let's talk about the niqab, inshallah. So, um. Like, what's your journey to the niqab? How do you get to be um, a niqabi? How do you get to be somebody who's wearing the niqab? 
Right. Well, um, for me personally, it was a it was a very normal thing growing up. My mom wore it. Uh, a lot of my mom's friends wore it. Um, some relatives also wore it in in my extended family. So for me, it was a it was a fairly regular thing. It wasn't that everybody was wearing it. Obviously, um, you know, everybody wasn't wearing it, but a lot of people were wearing it, and I always really admired them for wearing it. Mashallah, you know, obviously, especially living in in America in an Muslim environment for the most part um, to wear the naqab really like sets you apart um, as you know very very clearly identifying you as a Muslim and uh, you know it was just something that I always really looked up to my mom for doing and so it was I, I, I was kind of it was I guess it was kind of assumed for me on some level that okay you know once I'm older then inshallah I'll start wearing it um, it was never something that was like you know uh, my parents, you know, when they when they taught us about Islam, they didn't teach us that naqab was fard. Of course, hijab was taught as being fard, mm-hmm. and naqab was something that was kind of like, okay, yeah, you know, a lot of the sahabiyat did it also. The wives of the Prophet did it. Many female companions of the Prophet did it. So it was considered something that was, you know, a, a beautiful act of sunnah that we could do and to try and emulate the, the sahabiyat that are our role model that are our role models and uh, to whom we, you know, look up, uh, look up to, obviously. So uh, in that sense, you know, for me, it felt like a very natural kind of thing that once I got a little bit older, maybe when I was, you know, in my teens or so that I was like, OK, yeah, you know, I, I'd like to start wearing it now, inshallah. And um, my mom, I remember actually, she she sat me down and she was like, you know, yeah, no, there are definitely some challenges that come with naqab that are not there if you wear um, just a hijab, you know. So are you sure you want to do this? And uh, I was like, you know, I, I thought I was ready. So I, I started doing it. And even after I started wearing it, she did, you know, she would tell me at times that, you know, if you want to take it off, if you feel like it's becoming too much, or if you feel like you're wearing it for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. then, you know, inshallah, there is there is no harm in taking it off. So it was always considered something, for me at least, that like, you know, similar to um, sunnah prayers, for example, similar to sunnah fasts. Yeah. Uh, outside of Ramadan um, prayers in addition to the the five daily prayers that we do that you know if if you do them even once in a while it's better than not doing them at all and just because you do them once in a while doesn't mean you have to always do them uh, at the same time you know mm-hmm. like if you if you do them when it's easy for you um, and then you stop doing it when it becomes difficult then that's still better than than never doing it at all so uh, I guess that was like my thought process when it came to uh, to the naqab. Alhamdulillah. So you, was you in Saudi at the time then? Because you said that you studied there and you was a teenager when you started wearing the naqab. Uh, you know, I kind of experimented with it a little bit before I also moved to Saudi. Um, cause I wanted to, you know, try it out and see how see how it felt to wear it and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I did like wear it a little bit in America also. And, uh, you know, moving to Saudi didn't really have too much to do with my decision to wear it. I think I was planning on wearing it in either case. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, when I, when I fully started, I think permanently wearing it, I, I was here. Mashallah. So would you, would you describe it as being something easy for you to do, like on a practical level? You know, alhamdulillah, um, for the most part, yeah, for me, it was fairly easy. I mean, obviously, there were a little bit of the struggles, you know, there was a learning curve when I put it on, like eating with the naqaba, and that was a little bit difficult. I still struggle with that sometimes, it's like, you know, yeah, ice cream and stuff like that. 
it's a little bit difficult to to eat certain foods in the mm-hmm. I remember struggling a lot with water fountains. If I was wearing my naqab while trying to drink from a water fountain, it would always, always, always end up in my nose. And I didn't, I don't know what I was doing wrong, but I I think I've learned how to drink water from a water fountain with naqab on now. But I remember struggling with that a lot when I was, uh, when I was first wearing it. So, <laughs> but other than that, alhamdulillah, I think for the most part, it was relatively easy. And of course, you know, being here in Saudi where it is fairly normalized, um, it, does have that like increased you know um ease to it that is not there when i was wearing it in america mm-hmm. um you know obviously the stares that you get over there and the questions the polite ones and the not so polite ones um you know all of that obviously wasn't wasn't over here you know when I, when i was in saudi so um okay. that aspect of things i think made it easier in that sense alhamdulillah so um have you ever faced any kind of abuse for wearing it at all uh yeah of course of course um uh when i'm in america obviously you know there have been instances where i've been cussed at where i've been you know flipped off or people have told me things you know, but the things that honestly even even hijabis here uh, on a regular kind of basis just the usual usual stuff um uh, obviously with naqab i feel like yeah people are a little bit like oh but I have Muslim friends who don't wear that so why Mm. do you feel the need to wear that you know and that kind of questioning and some sometimes a little bit of hostility also does sometimes come from Muslims too who either um, don't know that naqab is a part of Islam and not just something from Arab culture or Muslims who believe that it is too extreme to be worn in the West yeah so yeah that uh that's always a little bit sad to deal with uh don't particularly enjoy that aspect of it too much um i i try my best to you know to to spread uh, just to, to spread the message that like no it's uh, naqab is definitely a part of islam we have clear statements from the sahabiyat from aisha radiallahu anha from other sahabiyat who make it very clear that no covering our face is part of um of of islam you know it's part of the the hijab guidelines uh, and um you know not in the sense that it's as fard as the hijab as obligatory as the hijab because i i know there is a difference of opinion with regards to that but um in my opinion and in the opinion of um, a lot of my teachers it is not fard to wear to wear the naqab the way that it is the hijab obviously but nonetheless, it is part of Islam for sure. Like there is, there's no doubting that. And so, um, you know, just, just trying to teach people that know that that is the case. And with regards to it being too extreme, I think that kind of differs from, from case to case, from even place to place. Um, I myself know that there are some places where I feel that wearing the naqab would do more harm than good. And so I don't wear it in certain places. And... I think that is a little bit, you know, uh, uh, that that's a matter that has a little bit of flexibility in it. So, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So, um, have you done any traveling at the airport, or like you mentioned that you don't wear it in certain places? So, have have you traveled with the naqab at all? Have you tried that, or do you just not wear it when you're traveling? No, no, I I have traveled with the naqab a lot, um, a, 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 all over the world actually. I think, alhamdulillah, I've been to like 
more than 20, 23 countries or something. Mashallah. Mashallah. So you do a lot of traveling. Yeah, alhamdulillah, I really, really enjoy traveling. Um, you know, obviously before COVID, I used to travel a lot more. Now I, I miss it so much. But um, no, I've traveled a lot, alhamdulillah, and with Naqaban. And for the most part, I mean, you know, obviously entering and exiting America, there is, you know, the usual nonsense to deal with with the TSA. But for the most part, it's been all right. Um, obviously, when I went to France, that was when, you know, I got very, very hostile reactions to that, um, you know, the Naqab being banned over there, but still the way that they handled it was really, really disgraceful. Mm. I was, uh, yeah, I was gone on a school trip with uh, with my class, actually, in high school. And, uh, you know, we were all there together. And um, it was just me and one other hijabi girl in the whole group who were like, you know, um, so uh, I was there as an aqabi and my friend was there as a hijabi. And, uh, you know, there wasn't really anybody else who was wearing hijab in that in that group. And still, you know, the way that when we were crossing the border into France, the way that the, um, uh, what are they called? You know, the passport control agents. Yeah. The way that he, you know, screamed at me in front of everybody and wow. just tried to convince me that the hijab is also banned in France mm -hmm. when I knew that it wasn't, you know. And so the fact that he was like, no, all of this, you have to take this off and... I had to tell him, I was like, no, you know, I, I know the law, that's only the naqab that is banned, and yeah. I am in the process of taking it off, you know, to cross the, mm -hmm. the border. I don't appreciate you like yelling and screaming at me in front of everybody, but in the moment, obviously, you know, it was like, I was shaken, I was still a teenager at the time, and, you know, it was like, it, very difficult to remain calm and collected in that moment, and just oh. the way, you know, the, that feeling of, like, being screamed at in front of everyone in such a humiliating and degrading kind of way, it was a terrible, terrible kind of feeling. That must have been really uh, difficult, subhanAllah, especially at that age. Yeah, subhanAllah, I mean, I, I knew that it was banned, you know, and I, I wasn't trying to, like, you know, break the law or anything at that mm -hmm. time, obviously, I was, I was on a trip with my school, you know, so obviously yeah. I knew that, like, um, I would have to, you know, follow the law and take my naqab off, which I was doing, but it's just the way that he was just being so rude to me in front of everybody also, you know, it was just... Yeah. So what about your teachers? Were there your teachers there? And what, what did they do? What was their reaction to that? They were there. They were silent. They didn't say anything. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, nobody, nobody said anything. I mean, I was with my group, you know, nobody said anything. They mostly kind of looked the other way. Um, later on, one of the boys made a, made kind of a joke. We were gone in the winter, so he took his, uh, his scarf and he put it over his face and he was like, well, I wonder what they would say if they saw me, you know? And so... <laughs> Wow. Obviously that was that was a joke that was made later on, but mm. still, you know, in, in the moment nobody said anything. Nobody wow. nobody yeah, nobody said anything or did That's anything sad, else. you know, subhanAllah. Like how do you feel as a teenager at that time, especially not having anybody like stand up for you in that situation? I'll be very honest, I didn't really expect anyone to stand up for me. Mm. Um, both of my teachers who were with me on that trip were non-Muslim. And like I said, there was only one other hijabi girl in that group with me. So I can't really say that I was surprised by them not saying or doing anything. I, I didn't expect anything from them. Um, 
Wow, subhanAllah. So have you had any other negative experience traveling like to other countries or was that like the main one? You know, France was really the main one. And I mean, like, you know, there have been small instances here and there. Um, I, I remember having a pretty bad experience in Turkey when I was connecting through Istanbul one time. They were also very rude about the naqab and they made me mm. take it off without taking me to a private area or anything wow. like that. Which was surprising because, you know, it's like you won't expect that from Turkey. But that was only one time. Mm. I think I've been to Turkey like four other times besides that one time and I've never had a reaction like that. So, okay, so I think with some things, um, it's who you interact with on the day because it's kind of mixed right. the way people exactly. kind of... Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, some people, you know, they have a very personal reaction to it mm. for whatever reason. Um, yeah. Yeah, subhanAllah. So have you had any, like, positive experiences while traveling, surprisingly positive experiences? You know, so many of those also, subhanAllah, like on that same trip to France that mm -hmm. I just mentioned, yeah. there was a time when uh, my group and I, we were standing around and we were waiting to buy tickets for public transport. I don't know if it was like the bus or the train or something like mm -hmm. that. So I was standing around with some of my, you know, with the with the rest of the group and we were just waiting for our turn at the at the booth to buy the tickets. And um, this elderly Muslim couple came up to me and they asked me, you know, are you all right? Are you with this group? You know, do you want us to buy your tickets for you? So subhanAllah, just that feeling of like, you know, them singling me out, out of the group yeah. to try and come and help me and, you know, uh, offer me any kind of assistance if I needed it. That feeling of them like, you know, coming up to me and offering me help. Um, you know, it was just so touching. And the fact that, you know, there were there were Muslim couple, the, the auntie was wearing a hijab also, you know. So it was just so, so lovely to see that. Um, really, you know, it was like really touching just to know that, like, you know, they're they're watching out for me. They're like, you know, keeping an eye out and just trying to help however they can. You know, that was that was really sweet, mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So when I think back on that trip, it's like, yeah, there was that really negative experience with the with the cop. And then, you know, there was this really beautiful moment with just this couple of strangers who just came up to me and offered me help, you know, for no reason at all, other than the fact that, you know, they saw that I was a Muslim and, uh, you know, they wanted to help. It was... Alhamdulillah, mashallah. So, um, would you say that um, sisters who wear the naqab get treated differently from sisters who, who wear the hijab? And that's from the side of non-Muslims and from Muslims? Again, you know, it's been really, like, mixed. Um, I think that really depends from, like, from person to person, from place to place. Um, hmm. uh, definitely I've had some Muslims who will try to put me on some kind of pedestal above um, non-naqabis, like women mm -hmm. who wear only the hijab and not the naqab. Yeah. Um, and, you know, be like, oh, yeah, she's obviously a much better Muslim because she wears the naqab and they don't. And I personally really don't like that at course, all. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't think that that's something that is uh, correct at all. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just because, uh, I mean, OK, yeah, the naqab is something that's very visible. Everyone can see that, you know, yeah, a person is wearing naqab. But um Oh, that's that's. Uh, I I don't think it's like the end all and be all of a Muslim woman. You know that oh, if she's an Aqabi, then she's like she's reached the highest level of a Muslim woman or some yeah. nonsense like that. Um. So I don't really like that. And then um, 
I've had some instances of like guys, especially kind of almost fetishizing it or something like, mm. uh, you know, with regards to, you know, marriage proposals and things like that. So in a just really weird kind of creepy way. Yeah, if you where they, mention that to me as well, you know, and it's it's true. Like it is really kind of weird. Like I can appreciate that. Like some brothers have a level of respect for the niqab, um, exactly. You know, out of love for the hijab because I think it's something natural. You know, I know like obviously it's not. You know, we're not we're, we're not dressed in a way which is popular and stylish like in in like kind of Western terms. But I think there's a lot of brothers who do appreciate um, the fact that you know you have to go through certain things or there's a difficulty when it comes to wearing the niqab because it's not something which is, you know, fashionable per se. But, like, there is some, there is, like, a kind of weird, like, you know, element that kind of happens sometimes as well. You see some brothers, like, they're just, like, it's almost, it seems a bit obsessive sometimes. There really is. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, yeah. I mean, I've had some people who, like, approached me for marriage or something like that, and they would ask about my naqab before they even ask about my five daily prayers, you know, really? so like, there is a there is a level of priority that needs to be to be had over here. Like, uh, clearly, you know, prayer comes before naqab that 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 should be a given. Um, but no, I've had some people like or, you know, when when they'll send over their list of requirements, they'll be like, no, she must be a naqabi. It's like, OK, but did you ask whether she she prays or not exactly, that that yeah. may be a little bit more important um i suppose so, they're yeah, just I mean, assuming isn't it they're assuming that i mean i, I like, guess this, yeah that's like oh she's like, wearing an above then she must be praying but yeah. that's that's not always the case exactly you know, we, we exactly it's not which i suppose would be surprising to a lot of people because i've, I've met i mean i've only met one sister who was wearing naqab that she didn't pray and I like that kind of shocked me but then at the same time when I thought about it I thought well actually just because somebody finds it easy to cover themselves doesn't mean that they find the rest of the dean like easy because everybody has their challenges and I'm not excusing the fact that she was missing something which was you know like one of the pillars of Islam but you know, of course, of course. like sometimes people have even their reasons for wearing the niqab like it could be not even really for the sake of Allah actually sometimes it's because they just want to hide yeah of course i mean you know that's that's always a possibility i mean that can apply to really anything you know any action that you do can have multiple intentions behind it but for sure yeah with naqab i mean i do think like um it does like like i said you know sometimes people will put people on a pedestal just because they wear it and they'll make assumptions about them um I seem to have lost my track of thought entirely. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We was just we was basically talking about um you know if there's a difference between how sisters who wear the niqab get treated compared to sisters who just wear the hijab. Right, compared to um non non niqabis, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, with regards to Muslims, I mean, like I said, you know, there's like the the two sides of the thing where like yeah, either you know they get put on a pedestal and people are like, oh, you must be better than other Muslims. Or, you know, on the other hand, you have Muslims who think it's too extreme or it's not even part of the religion and why are you doing it? You're giving non-Muslims the wrong idea about what Muslims are like and that kind of thing. So it's like, you know, obviously you have two extremes and then there's a spectrum in between. But with regards to, yeah, uh, I just remembered um, you were saying, of course, just because someone wears an aqab doesn't mean all the rest of the aspects of the religion are easy for them. And for me personally, I mean, that really is very personal for me. 
it really hits home just because I, alhamdulillah, for the most part, it has been relatively easy for me to wear the naqab, alhamdulillah. Like, uh, I know so many women who struggle with hijab and naqab so much more than I do. Like, some women can't imagine ever wearing it. And alhamdulillah, that that's never really been my experience with it. For me, I've always enjoyed it. I've always liked it, alhamdulillah. It's been relatively easy for me. And I completely struggle a lot with um with praying any type of extra sunnah prayers any nafil prayers and i know so many people who are way more careful about those than i am so you know like uh, even praying the the five daily fard prayers uh, on time i struggle with it so much just because i unfortunately you know may allah forgive me I tend to procrastinate a lot when it comes to my five prayers. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so, you know, seeing people who like, mashallah, you know, they get up and they pray as soon as it's time. Uh, that's something that I wish I I did more regularly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, alhamdulillah, like, well, yeah, okay, the hijab is easy for me. The naqab is easy for me, you know, but I definitely struggle so much with other aspects of, of the deen. Subhanallah. Um, yeah, these, so these are things definitely. that people just don't think about. So, so um, yeah, exactly. it's, it's, that's why we shouldn't yeah. ever make like assumptions. Because, alhamdulillah, mm-hmm. I know sisters who, you know, they don't wear hijab even, so, for example. But when it comes to the prayers, subhanallah, like they're the first one to like, you know, get up and you know get ready to do the make sure they're always prepared for their salah. They pray extra and everything. Do you know what I mean? So. We shouldn't judge, and obviously, like, definitely, they're missing, you know, the hijab. But you know, inshallah, you know, inshallah, they will get there. You know, inshallah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, obviously, you know, none of us are perfect. Obviously, exactly. even the women who do wear hijab and pray, you know, they'll be struggling with something else. The no, women exactly. who wear hijab are struggling with something. The women who wear hijab are struggling. We're all, you know, like I, I don't think it's our place to decide who is better than someone else just on the basis of like these um, external displays of, mm-hmm. of religiosity, you know, if you want to call it that. At the same time, there is, of course, a level that, you know, where you realize like, okay, yes, you know, when, for example, if you're looking to get married, or you're looking to get into a business with someone, or, you know, anything like that, we do have to look at what is apparent. So yeah, you know, um, you have to know that, okay, you're going to look at, for example, a person's outwardly actions, and then you're going to ask Allah to show you what their actual personality is like. So I'm just saying this just because a lot of times on Twitter, especially, I will notice like, people will be like, you might not know, you know, the the sister who is a hijabi um, doesn't pray, and the sister who isn't a hijabi does pray. And so you shouldn't judge people's religiosity based on that, which is true to quite an extent. But I don't think that like a person's hijab or like outwardly actions shouldn't be looked at at all either. Exactly. Yeah. So there, there definitely is a balance that needs to be struck with that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Subhanallah. So, sister, I want mm-hmm. you to talk about your bike. Okay, you ride a bike, motorbikes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, can you yeah. give some insight to that? Like, uh, 
Yeah, that started off as a really, really normal thing. And um, I mean, I, I kind of thought it was cool. You know, I, I've loved motorcycles for as long as I can remember. And I always thought it was really cool, you know, that I finally got to start riding one, alhamdulillah. But I didn't really think it would turn into such a, a big deal, like uh, as it as it ended up being um, to, to some extent. So I originally started riding because my dad was tired of taking me to school every morning. Wow. So um, he was, was that when like, you was yeah. in Saudi or the U.S.? Uh, Saudi. It was yeah. when I was still in Saudi. Yeah. So um, he was just like, he was like, no, you know, I'm done giving you rides all the time. Um, you need to have your own wheels. And obviously, you know, I, I, I couldn't get a car of my own. So I was like, okay, well, my dad um, rides a motorcycle. Um, you know, he used, to, he used to ride the motorcycle to get to and from work. So I was like, okay, well, you know, motorcycle is much easier to get than a car. So just get me one of those. And so he taught me how to ride. Mashallah. And then, yeah, and then uh, I started riding. It was the most normal thing in the world. Um, and then I did I did this photo shoot, I think, when I was a senior in high school. And um, I posted some pictures online and they started, you know, getting a lot of popularity. And that's when I kind of realized, like, oh, yeah, it's, it's not really a very typical thing for a girl dressed in full naqab to be riding a motorcycle. So that's where the whole biker naqabi thing kind of came from. Mashallah. Um, you've made it yeah. sound so simple i mean i've always wanted to ride a motorbike and even like before becoming muslim it wasn't something that was just easy for me to do so mashallah. Oh, no alhamdulillah i mean i i mean i i think people sometimes will make things a little bit more difficult than they need to be mm. um so for sure you know it's like don't don't try to be more more strict than the sahaba is what i usually say you know like don't try to be more strict than the actual greatest people the greatest muslims to ever live you know if they didn't go to such extremes to try and restrict everything that a person does just because they're muslim then i don't think we need to do that either you know islam doesn't come to make our lives difficult um, it's just a set of guidelines that we have to try and follow to make our own lives better, inshallah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, nowhere does the does Allah or the Prophet say that a girl can't ride a motorcycle. So I'm going to go ahead based on that assumption. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, because um, that's, that's interesting because um, recently I saw on um, instagram basically and there's a sister she does um like uh fitness and things and she was encouraging sisters to ride their bicycles um mm -hmm. and alhamdulillah she's wearing like full um niqab and everything and yeah. a bayam and stuff or a jilbab and um you know sisters were asking her questions about it, and then somebody um asked like if it was okay like because you know like is it acceptable in islam to ride a bicycle and i was just thinking well why not you know, right, because exactly, I mean, yeah. we are allowed to go outside and we're allowed to walk and you know, other things. So, I mean, what difference does it make if you ride a bike? I think some people assume that, like, when you sit on a bicycle or a motorbike, that like all your figures going to be showing, but it's not actually the case. Like, you know, and the thing is, the beautiful thing is that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala Himself says in the ayah that um, describes the the specifications of the hijab. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala Himself uses the words "illa ma zahara minha," except what is apparent. Mm -hmm. So I think we really need to adjust our expectations that when you are wearing a hijab, you are not expected to become invisible. 
Mm-hmm. You are not expected to completely disappear as a person. It's okay if a little bit of your, you know, you do your best is the point. You do your best to cover up as much as you can. And whatever is apparent is apparent. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself has said that in the Quran. That, you know, cover yourselves except for what is apparent. So it doesn't matter how much hijab you wear, how thick your abaya is, how many layers you put on. People will still be able to tell that, oh, you have a figure, okay? <laughs> like, yeah, you're exactly. not going to be able to cover that up. And, you know, your height, for example, people will know, okay, this is how tall you are. The people will have an idea of what your figure is like. And this especially applies to women who are a little bit more curvy. Mm-hmm. Um, they cannot cover up as much as women who are less curvy can. That's, that's just a simple, a simple fact that if uh, someone who is a little bit on the skinnier side wears something, the same thing that a woman who is a little bit curvier wears, you'll be able to tell more of the figure of the woman who is curvier. That's, that's just, it's natural, it's normal. And I don't think that we need to walk around in like boxes or not leave our houses at all for fear of people seeing that, oh, you know, this person has a shape to them that is not just a blob. Yeah, basically. So, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, subhanAllah, I think uh, Dr. Hatim al-Hajj, um, when in one of his lectures, he specifically mentions this, that the Sahabiyat themselves had some differences among the way that they, w- among themselves in the way that they would, uh, wear their abayas right so some mm. of them had like a button at the sleeve at the wrist to make sure that when they move their hands or they put their arms up or anything like that their sleeves wouldn't come no, down and they wouldn't not. expose their arms but some sahabiyats didn't have that mm. and so when they would move their hands or when they would talk or when they would be you know they were working they were in the battlefield they were you know, outside, they were uh, functioning in society as normal people do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes their sleeves would slip a little bit and a little bit of their arm would show. Mm. And, you know, we do our best, like I said, but it's okay. This is not the end of the world. And in in things like this, it really does become the responsibility of the men who are around us to do their part and lower their gazes and not come and point out that, oh, sister, two inches of your wrist is showing. Please make sure that you cover that up. You know, it's unrealistic to expect a person to be 100% covered 100% of the time when they're still expected to be out in society functioning as regular people do. And a lot of times men will try to to say that no you know okay this is why it's better for a woman to stay at home well we don't see that really from the sahabiyat themselves we don't see that all of them stayed a hundred percent at home all of the time and especially especially nowadays it's just not realistic to expect a person to do that yeah it isn't subhanallah especially like yeah living in the west as well and everything and just like even even the family setups now like um I think like being a single parent like I've been a single parent for like 12 years so like in my experience you know I've had to go out and do certain things that I wish that I had a husband so I wouldn't have to do those things (laughs) do you know what I mean and it's not like anything like haram or something it's just like you know some day-to-day kind of practical things like if you're a woman for example and you've got a car and you need to you need the mechanic 
you know things like that like just generally being a woman like if you need to take your car to a mechanic it's like mm-hmm. you're literally a walking target because they don't expect that you could you know anything about cars anyways and <laughs> you know what I mean like there's yeah. there's little things like that like you know that you have to deal with on a daily basis that like you know obviously it's, there's differences in how men deal with men and how men deal with women and that's Muslim or non-Muslim yep yeah subhanallah that is very true subhanallah but yeah I mean like you said you know yeah people will worry that okay if a girl rides a bike or something like that a little bit of her figure will show okay I mean what do you want her to do you know <laughs> just stay at home all the time yeah. girls need to exercise they need to get out they need to they need to enjoy themselves too a little bit you know yeah, <laughs> let people fun. live um you know and that's that's where I like to really emphasize that okay yeah that that is where the responsibility comes on both sides yes a woman should cover herself as best as she can but then on top of that the man needs to lower his gaze that's definitely you do not need to be inspecting every Muslim woman that comes in front of you for any tiny bit of skin that's showing um and you know try and police her on that Mm -hmm. your responsibility is to lower your gaze I mean as someone you know who is on social media I post pictures of myself um you know every once in a while I have my Instagram also and it it has happened to me on multiple multiple occasions where I will post a picture and uh, some guy will privately message me to tell me that he zoomed in as tightly as he could on my picture and he discovered a tiny bit of skin showing wow and I wish that I could say that it was just a one-off thing but it is not so you know uh, yeah at that point I'm like look I'm doing my responsibility I'm doing more than my responsibility um it's it's up to you now to you know to, to to lower your gaze and to control your own self I mean even if there is no skin showing like there is this one picture of me sitting on my motorcycle and uh I remember somebody had gotten very angry one time that they could tell the shape of my knee from the way that I was bending my leg wow so you know somehow there's not even any skin showing that he can comment on at that point mm-hmm. and it, you know that that's that's what he's taking issue with subhanallah so for sure yeah, you know I, it's I like, this is what I don't understand like if a brother is taking that m- amount of time to look at your photo, that means he's not lowering his gaze. So you're not it's doing not your all. obligation of lowering your gaze. Like, why exactly. don't you, why haven't you realized that? That's why I don't get like, you know, yes, we're supposed to cover, but the men are supposed to lower their gaze and us covering is supposed to help them to lower their gaze. So you see a woman. Us covering doesn't covered. negate the fact that they're supposed to lower their gaze. Exactly. So it's like, I'm out here, I'm doing my part. I am covering my myself to the best of my ability I'm in full abaya full naqab full everything and you're still not lowering your gaze enough for you to be you know protected from the temptation of the shape of my knee Um, (laughs) it's so ridiculous it's so ridiculous oh my gosh like you know it's like (laughs) there's only so far you can go exactly it's like you will never will never ever be doing enough never never ever subhanallah subhanallah so mashallah so um on that on that note sister would you describe the naqab as being a barrier you know uh 
don't think so. I um I'm I'm sure there are some things that I can't do with naqab on. Uh, I can't think of anything right now. Um, I mean, I, I know Alhamdulillah, like I have had a pretty active life even with naqab. So I know in that sense, it's kind of uh, not very typical of most naqabis to, you know, to feel comfortable doing um, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But I think if you really want to, there isn't that much that you couldn't do. Um I'm sure there's another aspect of it, like, you know, if you get denied a job or something like that because you're wearing your naqab, then of course, you know, that's something that's different. And uh, you, inshallah, you know, we hope to be rewarded for our sacrifice for that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I understand that not everyone can afford to do something like that. So I understand if somebody wants to, you know, take off their naqab for the sake of getting a job, that is, you know, I fully understand that too. Mm-hmm. Um I, do, I don't think, alhamdulillah, for me, it hasn't really been a barrier in, in any sense that I can think of. Um, alhamdulillah. Yeah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. I mean, have you met any sisters who've been forced into wearing the naqab? Huh. Um, not the naqab, I don't think. I've met some women who were forced into wearing the hijab at some point. Mm-hmm. But the naqab, no, I don't think so. Alhamdulillah. And what about the reverse? Have you met any sisters who they'd really like to wear the naqab, but they're not allowed to wear it? Like they've been prevented from like family yeah. members? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know a few people like that, actually, who either, yeah, they really want to, and they either have been expressly told not to, or um, they feel like they can't because of, you know, um, whatever reason yeah um, like societal pressure or they've been warned that nobody will want to marry them if they put on the naqab or uh-huh. you know they won't get opportunities for their education or career because of the naqab so yeah yeah i definitely know people who want to wear it and are pressured to not wear it or are completely forced to not wear it subhanallah allah makes it easy for them yeah i mean it really is a difficult situation so what advice would you give to sisters who um they would like to wear the naqab but they're kind of they don't feel confident to wear it you know i think um with the covid situation has kind of made this a little bit easier um you know with the masks you kind of have like a bit of a trial run to see what it would feel like mm-hmm. to cover your face on a regular kind of basis yeah um, so that definitely is something that is, you know, an unexpected positive, I guess, of the whole COVID situation, for sure. Um, besides that, I would say, uh, I would kind of reiterate reiterate what uh, my own mom had told me, right? Like, where she said that if you want to try wearing it, and then you decide that you don't want to continue for whatever reason, um, it's better to wear it a little bit than to not wear it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I give the example of like tahajjud or qiyam al-layl, for example, right? If a person wants to get up once in a while and pray, you wouldn't tell them, hey, what's the point of you, you know, getting up once in a while if you're not going to pray every single night? No, praying once in a while is better than not praying it at all. And so the same thing with naqab. And I have a friend who did wear it for some time and then she decided that it wasn't, you know, really working for her for whatever reason. And then she she stopped wearing it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you might get a little bit of like, you know, questions from people like, oh, you used to wear naqab and uh, now you don't. And, you know, with people like that, you just kind of have to ignore them a little bit. 
Um, so definitely like try it out, you know, maybe try wearing it to certain places first to try and like get used to how it feels, try and wear it in front of certain people and not other people just to, you know, kind of gauge the level of comfort that you have uh, around certain, certain people or whatever, um, wear it uh, at certain places or not, and not in other places also. Uh, what else? Yeah, I mean, like with like with anything else, you know, of course, try and keep your intentions pure. So you're not doing it because you're trying to show that you're better than anybody who doesn't wear it. Something like that. Definitely avoid all of that. Um, and then, you know, uh, do your research on it also. There are a few different opinions with regards to the niqab. Um, personally, I don't really think that it is fard. Um, I don't think the evidence for that is compelling enough. However, there are some people who believe it. So, you know, of course, we, we respect all the differences of opinion that exist. Um, yeah, I can't really think of anything else other than to say, like, it's it's really not the end all and be all of hijab or anything mm -hmm. like that. It's not like at some point you have to progress to a naqabi or anything like that. Um, I don't know how else to put it like people think like oh yeah you know I'm gonna wear the niqab when I'm like this perfect Muslim or something like that uh, like, that's not really how that works um, we all you know have different different levels of struggles and everything like that so yeah try it out uh, I'm always like uh, you know up for encouraging people to at least try it out just to see you know what it's like and then um, if it doesn't work for you for whatever reason then inshallah you know Inshallah, there's no harm in taking it off. I think as well, it's nice to be open from that respect. Like, I like your your perspective on it, because I think, you know, for me personally, I think that if more sisters, like, had an open mind about the niqab and did, they did take the time to research into it and, like, you know, as you're saying, like, take your advice, it would just make things, like, you know, kind of less... Um, um, stereotypical we'd help to kind of break down some of the stereotypes about the niqab that people have I think from the Muslim community and the non-Muslim community as well so that people they like even sisters for example who don't wear the, um, the niqab they would at least like have an idea about it because right you know they've had that kind of openness towards it you know yeah for sure for sure um yeah and I think like it if people like tried it on you know once in a while it would help dispel some of like the myths and stuff also around it like yeah. oh you know you can't breathe when you wear that okay yeah, well, exactly try it on and you'll see like there's no there's no problem breathing with, yeah. with it on you know? how do you eat with that okay why don't you try it on and see how would you eat with it you know yeah. different people <laughs> eat in different ways with naqab on also so yeah yeah it's definitely a good idea you know to like kind of have this openness about it and then also i think that having this type of mindset with regards to naqab it kind of helps dispel that whole idea of like uh, it's you know the ultimate level of hijab or something like that you know so that obviously avoids getting naqabis put on pedestals also because mm -hmm. you know then people are like no you know naqabis are also just regular people they're they're doing something that maybe other people don't but you know they're obviously missing out on things that other people do so it just kind of normalizes it, you know, makes it a lot less uh, pressure also on people who are trying it out. If you just have like a regular kind of mindset about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it makes it easier for, mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's just similar to like with the, just the hijab in general. When mm -hmm. um, young girls, for example, get used to wearing it from a young age. 
it yeah. makes it easier for them later on because the reality is hijab is an obligation so if you if it's something that you adopt early and you you see it as something like it's a normal thing for you not just like some big task that you're supposed to accomplish like one day in your life exactly. then it, 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 it just becomes like a just an everyday kind of thing it's part of you you know how you live you know it also dispels this idea that people start thinking that, oh, no, I don't want to wear naqab because I still enjoy going out with my friends and having yeah. fun and going to the movies and hanging out. And so it's like has this idea that, oh, if you're a naqabi, then, you know, it becomes somehow haram for you to go and do all of that. Like, yeah. um, people also have this similar idea about hijab, you know, and that's why some girls that I know don't even wear hijab because they're like, no, you know, if I wear hijab, then I'll be expected to act like a certain way or not do certain things and stuff like that. So it's like, look, if something is halal, it's halal whether you wear hijab or not. And if exactly. it's not halal, then it's not halal whether you wear hijab or not. So exactly. it's like um, the two don't really have a connection, um, don't have anything to do with each other. <laughs> so that's not really how halal and haram works <laughs> exactly subhanallah that's so true i mean i was talking to some sisters the other day and we were talking uh, in this regard um you know on the basis of like work jobs that mm-hmm. people do and because mm-hmm. people think that you know if you're an akabi you can't do certain jobs but it's just like you said if it if the job is halal it's halal if it's not then <laughs> whether you're an akab or not it's just the same you know yeah. subhanallah Alhamdulillah. So, sister, to end the interview, I'll ask you the final question, which is, what does the naqab mean to you? Oh, man, I think we kind of discussed a little bit about that. Um, To me, very simply, it's like it's an act of sunnah, a beautiful act of sunnah for sure. Um, But. uh, Yeah, it's it's something that the Sahabiyat did, it's a beautiful thing if you can do it if you do it for the right reasons um it's not the end all and be all of hijab it is not uh, some ultimate goal that a hijabi must reach or anything like that um yeah i i'm not really very good at putting things into like some kind of grand phrasing or something like that <laughs> uh, yeah um Alhamdulillah, yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay, sister. It's not an exam, you know. Like this is yeah. what I tell sisters. Like sometimes when I ask them this question, they get like all like kind of panic. Like, I know, oh my I know. God, it's I like, oh my god, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's a personal thing at the end of the day. That that's the point of the question. Sure. So it's not like oh, there's a right or a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah, definitely, it is. It is a very personal thing, and you know, different people will come to this decision in their own time. Uh, in their own way also so yeah I think to everyone it can mean something different for me it's just like it's my way of trying to be as close to the sahabiyat as I can it's my way of trying to copy them to the best of my ability in the things that are easy for me to do alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So that's that's what it means to me Alhamdulillah. Khair, sister, thank you so much for giving your time today and joining us on the Naqabi Diaries. And I'm sure the listeners will really have enjoyed listening to this interview from the Baika Naqabi, mashallah. <laughs> well, yeah, it was my pleasure to be here. Jazakallah khair for having me on. And uh, I hope to listen to more episodes in the future. Inshallah, sister, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.